Hello and welcome to the In the Pattern podcast. Wanted to drop a quick note in um, before we started the episode. Uh, we recorded this one back in January, um, so this was recorded pre-pandemic, so it's going to probably be a little unusual for everyone because we're talking like everything's normal. Um, and wanted to apologize to you for delaying getting this out. Um, obviously, I know for everyone it's been pretty hectic and it has definitely been as well here. Um, and also, you know, it's really... Um, Sad this week, especially, uh, that we're not making our yearly trip to spend the week with all of our friends up in Oshkosh. So we really miss everyone. We miss being able to bring the dailies and um, just celebrate aviation with everyone in Oshkosh this year and uh, grab a black cow if we could. So um, super sad that we're missing everybody. Um, I hope everyone's staying safe and practicing some good social distancing. I know my recommendation, a couple thousand feet or so vertical, pretty safe distance. Um, so... I hope you can get up and uh, everyone's able to get some flying time in and enjoy some of the beautiful summer weather. Uh, so with that, uh, let's go ahead and get started with the episode. Welcome to the In the Pattern Podcast. Make left traffic, clear for the option. Minneapolis departure, Archer 641, Charlie, Charlie, 2,000, climbing 3,000. Line up and wait, 7 range, 4 Mike Elton. I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. Welcome to episode 75 of the In the Pattern Podcast. This is Chris, and along with me tonight, I've got Brad. Hi there. Kane. What's up, buddy? Uh, all together too much, but not the temperature. Not it's the January. temperature. No, no, no. And uh, John Conway. What's up, man? Hello, hello. How's it going? Hello. Yes. Unfortunately, Mark's not able to make it tonight. Uh, uh, an un, uh, how, how should I put this? Uh, an unscheduled uh, dinner. So he kind of missed this one. So uh, looking forward to getting, getting him on the, the next one and catching up with him. But it's been a while for us, and uh, we're glad to be back together, and we uh, have quite a bit to talk about, hopefully. I know uh, Brad's been uh, boring holes in the sky, it seems like, for uh, a while now, so we're, we're uh, looking forward to, forwarding to, forward to uh, catching up with him and, on that. And uh, unfortunately, Mr. Conway, a little bit of the same old, same old. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Bummer. So. Bummer. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll be back up there soon. Just keep chair flying. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. Whatever oh, yeah. it takes. Well, I mean, I got to get I got to get the kiddo up because he's really uh he's into it. Yeah. So I'm uh I'm I'm hoping soon. Yeah. I'm sure uh I'm sure now he's uh we were just talking earlier. He's he's 3, so he's, you know, He's uh, a lot more attentive to uh, to uh, things like that, I imagine. Yeah, and he's definitely uh, like he he understands, you know, planes a little bit. <laughs> he's like definitely into them. And uh, I mean, I took him to the you know I took him to that air show in what May or whatever. And so I mean, he was still not even like where he is now, obviously. And like, he, he was kind of like into it then like sitting in the cockpit and everything. But like, now he's definitely like, you know, he can talk about it and like, you know, and all that. So he's excited for it. 
Awesome. Because I've been telling him, you know, yeah. Daddy flies planes. And he's <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, do you want to go up? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. Throw the booster seat in. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Heck yeah. Well, springtime is coming up. Got a few more months. Let that uh, let that winter pass and springtime be a good time to go up. Yeah. Cool. Well, happy new year, guys. Um, it is uh, January and uh, here we are in 2020. You know, it's funny is the other day I heard, uh, uh, you remember, you guys remember Y2K, of course, but did you guys see all that stuff on, on Twitter about Y2020 or something? Or why, yeah. whatever that was. <laughs> no. All the people who cheated on Y2K and just said, well, anything before, uh, yeah. They, oh, they, they oh. just pushed the whole thing out a, a little bit. <laughs> but who's using a computer from then still? Come on. Yeah. It's not about using computers from then. It's about using that code. <laughs> I guess right. the software, it's a, right? It's a retirement plan. That's what that is. It, it, basically all of banking. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, that was the big deal about it back then. Right. And I mean, there's still a bunch of systems using that old, you know, that old code. Yeah, that's so. scary. Sketchy. Well, and then we have the, what, the 2038 problem? And then... Yeah, that's my retirement plan. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? That's the uh, that's when we run out of uh, uh, digits for um, seconds from the Epoch from 1970. So any 32-bit Two billion seconds. Will... <laughs> yeah, they'll run out. <laughs> oh, if it's 32-bit? Yeah, yeah, if it's 32-bit, it's like 2038 or something. Like I forget what day. is like March or February or something. Huh. It'll, uh, that's when they run out. Well, I hope, you know, well, I say, I, sh- I say that now. I mean, but but obviously the 2020 thing's a thing, and I didn't think that was going to be an issue. But, uh, yeah, 32-bit, you know, should have been gone for a while now. That that uh, reminds me about, uh, you know, the latest version of, of iOS that came out. And, you know, if you're running 32-bit stuff, you know, it was no longer going to work anymore. So Oh, that was a Mac, yeah. On the Macs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, iOS has been 64 since, what, 5S or something. It's been oh, a while, so I pretty guess much I all just, the phones. I guess I just used the term iOS for Apple operating system, <laughs> but... Actually, you think it's Cisco. Yeah, well, that that's what that's what we call Cisco firmware too. So, yeah, so, it's funny. So hopefully, hopefully, all of our airplane systems are uh, you know sixty four bit. We won't have this problem, right? right. Yeah. Well, there was, I would no. I haven't seen an airplane in. I don't know. You know. <laughs> I don't know what the GPS problem where they run out every what is it every. One hundred and twenty-eight weeks, or five hundred and eleven weeks, or something. The the GPS flips over because it's based on a number of weeks since a particular time, and a bunch of GPSs failed in August. Huh? Really? I think I missed yeah. that. Interesting. Yeah, panel mounted GPSs failed because they couldn't figure out. It was like all of a sudden it was nineteen ninety five again. Hmm. Oh. You know, it'd be interesting is that. It, it wouldn't have happened though, but you know how like uh, you know north keeps changing, right? Magnetic north. Yeah. But that wouldn't be an issue for a GPS, I guess. Not until it flips completely, right? <laughs> Even then, they don't care. Yeah, it's it's just looking down on you from above. It'll be interesting when your magnetometer is pointing in the other direction, but <laughs> that's a different issue. Yeah. So wow. Yeah, well, um, you know, looking forward to doing a lot more flying in, in 2020. Um, 
Hopefully ADSB certified. Well, my all my planes that I rent are, luckily. I know all your planes that uh, you guys have in your club are. Um, so Anything I should rent here pretty much has to be at this point because of where I live. Yeah, you can't yeah. even take... I can't take off out of Crystal without ADSB. Yeah, I'm um, under the, the Bravo the shelf can. here. I'm under like four. Yeah, if, if you're if you're a no electric <laughs> if you're a no electric system, then you're in good shape, right? Right. The Nordo Cubs are still doing okay, and they've kept our grass runway open, which is is kind of nice. Cool. I think yeah, they were talking about kind of ditching that at one point, weren't they? They were, and somebody put together. There are a bunch of Nordo aircraft on the field, and somebody put together a um, a stole competition. Oh, fun! Yeah, and they had. You know, just a few planes showed up, and and of those, only some of them had actually practiced doing short takeoffs <laughs> and landings. So okay. we had quite a few that busted short, um, and quite a few that scored in the you know hundreds of feet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they thought they still did great, you know, compared to what they normally do. So yeah, and and the crowds Jeez. were there, and we had all the CAP cadets, you know, standing. Uh, guarding the flight line and all that kind of fun stuff. Hmm. But uh, but yeah, the grass is open. I've landed on it a couple times now. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's it's actually, it's remarkably, uh, so the grass runway crosses two paved runways in the middle. Oh, and what's that like running up onto that? I th- I was really kind of concerned about that very fact, and it turns out that it's a total non-issue. It, it's perfectly smooth. Oh, um, so you just you go right over the pavement and back onto the grass, and then over the next pavement and back <laughs> onto the grass, and it's all fine. It's not jarring to the airplane or anything, so huh? Yeah, no bump nice. at all. That's they cool. They've done a great job, but they don't plow it in the winter. So from from uh, put your skis I on. Say November to to April or May, probably May. It's closed because they plow a lot of the snow onto it. Oh, so skis berms. aren't going to help. It's got yeah. ten feet of snow on top of it right now. Yeah, It'd come just on, do be some a, tricks. Be a sweet jump. Have you <laughs> taken your plane off any sweet jumps? Yeah, <laughs> not not yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe you once. Backflips. Yeah, and your and we your club thanks a, you for that. We do have a big. Uh, there's a big ice fly-in every year. Oh yeah, uh, up on one of the lakes in the center of the state, and um, and it's fairly big. I mean, they usually get. 80 90 100 planes uh that come in and they plow an ice runway and they've got a whole special traffic management plan worked out and it's it's pretty cool we can't land any of the club planes on it because we're only allowed to land on charted runways talk about your uh, braking action sketchy yes <laughs> well they ch- so they changed the braking action rules last year i think it was so it used to be like normal, like, you know, good, fair, poor, moderate, that whatever. kind of thing. Yeah. And now they give you a bunch of numbers. So it's like breaking action, three, three, one. You're like, okay. what? Do what I got to do math? What am I doing here with this number? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, huh. And then they usually follow it up with uh, like, you know, poor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> three, three, one. Otherwise poor. Yeah. Okay. But I haven't quite noodle that one out i got that one on the on my way home from a from a big trip that we'll talk about in a little bit i'm gonna look that up right now breaking action codes it's interesting i i just i just typed in the because word because in arizona action, and then it said something like three 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 um <laughs> there you I, was, go. I was like what does that supposed to mean huh 
Oh, there's a whole thing on this. All right, this is good reading. Of course there is. Or later. (laughs) (laughs) It says, the braking action report for the runway you're about to land on is 532. Is that good? Is it bad? What are the (laughs) runway braking action codes, and what do they exactly actually mean? Right. Yes. Yeah, I miss miss good fair port. Can four flight just do it for me? (laughs) Yeah. It's just it just shows an X like don't land, yeah. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I've only I've only had that one time. Uh, we did a was doing a, a flight uh, with a friend of mine up uh, north to Flagstaff, and uh, and heard heard the tower give us a breaking action um, fare, and uh, I was like, what did he say? Because I had never heard that before. Right, and he goes, "Well, he's saying that the 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 braking is is fair right now." I was like, "As opposed to what?" <laughs> I mean, because the, the runway was clean and plowed <laughs> and everything, you know. But it was it was cold, and I guess it could be icy in different patches. So, yep, exactly. And you'll get it on some parts of the runway and not others, and they can't. So up here on the on the roads, they salt. Right, so they yeah. use salt to help melt the ice off, but you can't do that on the runways because salt and aluminum really don't get along. Not so much, yeah. No, so Bad they have for to everything. Sc- they have to scrape it all the way to the pavement. And we had actually, there's a, uh, so they have to plow all the taxiways and all the ramps and everything, uh, and shove all that stuff way out because they don't know how much snow they're going to get. And we had a snowplow shear off a fire hydrant. Oh. Next to our hangar row. Breaking um, action ice rink now. Well, so, <laughs> you know, they show all, they always show the things on like in the movies of yeah. the, the, guy, the car breaks the, the mm-hmm. hydrant off and the water sprays up. That doesn't actually happen, or at least it doesn't happen in the north huh. because the valve is, has to be below the frost line. Oh, Otherwise, that totally makes sense. You wouldn't get anything, right? So the, the little, thing that you put a wrench on on the top of the hydrant goes 10 feet down into the ground to where the actual liquid water is. Wow. Um, and then you open that up and it sprays out um, and and the magic happens. So when you yeah. shear one of those off with a snowplow, it's it's kind of a nothing burger. Nothing actually happens. Yeah. It probably, yeah, it would just freeze, right? Right. Otherwise, it would freeze in the pipe and you wouldn't get any water. Yeah. The yeah. pipes would break and everything else would be bad. Yeah. Just the truck had a oh crap moment. I don't think the truck noticed. Oh my gosh! <laughs> These trucks are you know they're twenty five thousand pounds. Wow! Yeah. Wow! <laughs> so they're just cruising along doing their thing and punk. Did yeah. you hear something? No, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> keep, okay, just keep moving. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, heck. Um, my first, my first flight, unfortunately, since uh, shoot, since we got back from Oshkosh, wasn't wasn't until my uh, flight review, which was uh, at the beginning of November. Your first flight was your BFR, or well, not BFR anymore, right? Your FR. Yeah, can't we just keep it? It's still every two years. I don't know. That's a whole other thing. They gotta change the names of these things that made sense to us back then so i don't know yeah first flight since then it was you know was like a a six-month hiatus or so and then then did my flight review 
it was all good and everything, but, uh, but, uh, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. That's had some other things going on and stuff like that. Got a new truck. Um, that was fun. Um, for uh, towing the RV for camping and stuff. So that's been good. You got an RV? What's that? Which one? RV 10, RV 12? Yeah. Yeah, there you're, that yeah. you're talking. It's it's a Cougar. 26-footer. <laughs> yeah. RV 10 would be would be my ultimate RV. If I could have any of them, it'd be an RV 10. That is a sweet machine. That's the that's the poor man's uh, Cirrus SR22, uh, but you can't even really call it the poor man because it's still like a two hundred thousand dollar aircraft. Well, you know, you're poor oh. after you buy it. That's the point. Say. Certainly, certainly compared to seven hundred. Yeah, right. Seven hundred. Are you kidding right? me? The half well, half million for look. a u- for for a five year old used one or something. Yeah. Every um, once in a while, I look. The 2009s are the first ones that had no nice, and those are still in the you know upper twos. My um, my wife's cousin who who got his his ticket last year um is really looking for a couple people to partner with in an SR22 now. He f- he finished his uh in a he was uh, flying a DA40, pretty nice DA40 out of Scottsdale, and now he's doing instrument training in it occasionally. But he's looking. I'm about to fly a GA40. Yeah, those are nice planes. As long as it's got a bigger battery than that stupid twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you have feelings. Uh, I loved that airplane, except it just would never start. <laughs> <laughs> Once you got it started, it was so much fun. Were those O three sixties or was that an O three twenty? I think it's a 320 in the... Uh, I think your, it's a 20. Yeah, it's not, I.O. It's probably. Not a 60. No, I don't know. Yeah, the 40, yeah, the DA-40's got the, the 360, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's just got that tiny, tiny, tiny little battery. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how they keep the weight down. Yeah, right? <laughs> that never held enough juice, huh? To spin that prop. How much, how much time do you have in a 20? I, I always like... Uh, I always like planes with sticks in them you know even maybe yeah i mean maybe like five or six hours not much time yeah always like those man i the, did my the discovery DA-62, flight the, the twin with the this oh oh the big twin at. yeah the diesel yeah. turbo diesel twin man that's the plane to have if you had a million bucks i don't know how you how you buy don't buy, don't buy that plane if that's your if that's your price range for an aircraft your, buy a your used entry. tbm a used what tbm 700 yeah i just think that that i suppose if you got a million bucks you can afford to maintain a million dollar aircraft no matter what it is but i think the maintenance on a even on even on that twin is less than probably a a tbm but wow how bad could the maintenance on a pressurized turboprop possibly be? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I was just watching a, uh, speaking of that, I was just watching a video from, um, what's his name, who flies the TBM all over the place. Uh, but anyways, he just had some sort of in-flight failure, IFR, while coming back from somewhere. He had uh, uh, one of the generators go out in the TBM, uh, coming back into land with, at one of, uh, one of the airports in Florida. And, uh, and he just had the one generator and well, he got the backup generator running and then everything was all good. But 
in the middle of that, he was getting one clearance change to another one and, and, you know, uh, change this direction, change this altitude. And in the middle of that, he's, he's trying to go through the book and and what to do in the case of a generator outage and how to get the other one back on and all this stuff. So he handled it just, just, just great. So interesting. So he goes, well, looks like this one's going to maintenance as he was probably, as he was probably heading over to pick up the owner <laughs> from somewhere have to make new arrangements. Uh, Larry and uh, Mary Beth have been out here in Arizona for several months now. Uh, I'm not sure if they're still here or not, um, but uh, spent a little bit of time with them. They were out here camping. Lord High Mayor of, of Camp Bacon. Yes, sir. Of Oshkosh fame and stuck my Avcast fame. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been, uh, they've been um, boondocking all, all around uh, the Phoenix metro area and and one place not too far from the house so I went out and I went out and visited them where they were boondocking out one day and then um, uh, invited them over for dinner one night so him and Mary Beth uh, came over for dinner which was cool and really nice yeah it was cool they don't we don't see them much up here in December <laughs> yeah I, they tend to stay away from that area it seems like yeah, I mean they've got I a kid why. in the next suburb over. I mean, the <laughs> they've got kids strung out all over this continent. Well, yeah, continent have, it seems like you have half a dozen. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? Uh, Rod Rakick was out here uh, December fourth, um, and uh, so I, I I called up Larry. I said, "Hey, Rod's out here. You want to go out and get some uh, barley pops?" And he's like, uh, "Yeah." So uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we headed out to Scottsdale and uh, hung out with Rod for a little bit. And uh, as you know, uh, um, he shut down uh, the uh, uh, open, open airplane, open airplane and auto and fly out of both. Because uh, uh, he, got, he got a job in, with the airlines. He's, uh, he's now a uh, first officer with a, uh, in a um, I forget what kind of airplane off the top of my head, but with a regional um, out of Chicago somewhere, I think. Yeah. So, best of luck to Rod with that. I'm, I'm sure we'll hear, well, I, that's if, you know, we'll see him at, at Oshkosh. That could be probably a little few and far between after you get those jobs, you know. Yeah, especially when you're the low man on the pole. Mm-hmm. It takes a while before you can get to, get to go to the fun things like holidays in Oshkosh. Right. And we were talking a little bit about the pilot shortage and stuff, and um, and he he, he said um, they had been working on some uh, some data with some other companies trying to sort it out. And with all the information that's been gathered, they they're talking like the uh, the pilot shortage that's currently and has been going on seem, seems to go for about ten years. Uh, based on sure, all, the, as all the all as the pe- all the boomers retire out. Yeah, he, he was he gave the he gave the number because he knew it off the top of his head of like the amount of uh, pilots retiring out of the airlines um, every year, and to which I said, well, what about the Air Force? And then he told me about the number of of people that's coming from the Air Force or some some um, military flying background going into the airlines and. It was just a fraction of that. So, 
Yeah, the the Air Force is 2,200 fighter pilots short. Mm-hmm. They are begging us to get cadets in airplanes in CAP. They've got they've got their own set of problems, don't they? They do, and uh, you know, if if you want to be a pilot, especially if you're young and you want to be a pilot, this is a fantastic time. Um, and if you're if you have kids that are between 12 and 21, get them into CAP because the only thing that they have to pay for is fuel. Yeah, the definitely the aircraft, a leg up. Yeah, the aircraft is well, it's not free, but it's basically free. It's pretty close to free, and then the CFI is free. So, it's a tremendous advantage, and there are uh, scholarships on top of that. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, that reminds me, I've been uh, meaning to go over to uh, the CAP over at Deer Valley Airport and say hi and introduce myself and uh, see what it takes to uh, to um, join and help out and what I can do. A friend of mine just uh, just joined up over there, uh, not even to fly. Um, I think his son is in CAP, so he joined up too in order to kind of help facilitate some um, uh, ground stuff, anyways. Whatever that was, but uh, I want to I want to go check it out. It's always been something on my mind, but I've just always been told by the people around here that oh, that's the good old boys club, and you'll never see the inside of an airplane. Blah 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 blah. But I don't think that's really the case anymore. So. Eventually, the good old boys go away. Yeah, um, and you got to start somewhere. A, you got to start someplace, and there's a lot of good work that you can do with cadets as well. Yeah, I mean, it's still going to be aviation related, so what's the harm in that, right? It's still going to be fun. They might need an aerospace education officer, and you get a cool, uh, you know, uh, flight suit. So. Well, you get to buy your cool flight suit. Yeah, but at least you have a reason for wearing it instead of just looking like, you know. <laughs> like some people we know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, nice flight suit and Romex gloves. <laughs> or Nomex, in, I mean. In your Cessna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So, well, before I get into uh, any of the flying I did, which didn't start until uh, November, um, Brad, why don't you catch us up till there, till about there, and see, tell us what's been going on? Uh, sure. You know, I've been doing, uh, I've been keeping busy and trying to keep current and keep uh, you know my instrument currency and all that kind of stuff going. Um, our club bought a uh, Piper Dakota to replace the Mooney that we lost. Uh, and a Dakota is basically it's the same airframe as a Cherokee, uh, like an Archer, but it's got a six-cylinder, 260-horse um, IO520, or not IO in this case, it's an O520. The hot rod um, Cherokee. Um, well, <laughs> hot rod is a bit of a, a stretch, um, but you can put four. American-sized adults in the plane with full fuel and bags and still take off. Nice, um, nice qualifying with American-sized people. Yes. They don't <laughs> I was going to comment on that. They don't have to be FAA-sized people. Um, and so I got checked out in the plane, which um, which it has a, a 630, a Garmin 630 in it, which is the first time I've ever worked with that, GP, the new generation of Garmin GPSs. And I guess just this week they have a newer version than that, even the 630 XI. 
but um so i i had to get used to that and it and yet another autopilot which i hadn't encountered before but that that wasn't too hard to 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 get on top of um but then i needed to get night current uh in december uh, which is a great time to get night current in Minnesota because the sun goes down at 4:30 and night is 5:30. Um, and I so I took the thing out with with just me and half tanks, and I was getting a 2,000 foot per minute climb, uh, which meant that after liftoff I had 30 seconds before I had to push the nose over, um, trim the plane, you know, pull the power back, and uh, start you know start my downwind at 40 seconds off the deck. Um, it was, it was, or no, at, uh, probably what, 20 seconds off the deck. Um, so it, it climbs great. Um, it also descends really, really well. Um, it has the gliding characteristics of a Cherokee six, which is, you know, manhole cover inspired. Um, is that just due to that that extra heavy engine out front? Yeah, just big engine and a thick wing. Yeah, big old and, bar wing. <laughs> yeah, I, so you can, depending on where you want to set the power, you can do seventy-five percent power. You can you can go rich of peak where you have to go about seventy degrees rich of peak, and you're burning seventeen-ish gallons an hour. Um, or on the lean side, you, uh, 17 gallons an hour and gets you about 143, 144 knots true. And on the lean side, you can get about 14 gallons an hour at 135 knots. Um, and with 72 gallon tanks, you know, you're getting three to four hours in cruise, um, to, uh, that leaves you with about a one hour reserve. So it's it, it on the plus side it's a great club airplane because you can take you can fill all of the seats um it's very easy to fly if you're used to a Cherokee it's the same basic setup but with a constant speed prop uh it's got fixed gear so the insurance and the maintenance are a lot cheaper than a retract um and uh it's it's a little bit speedier but not dramatically so um and I ran the numbers and the cost per mile is about the same as our arrow, which is about a 125 knot airplane. Um, so you get a little bit better speed and, um, and a lot of carrying capacity. If, uh, if so it it's fits, a, it flies, right? If, if it fits, it flies. Um, I, we were, I was doing the weight and balance because we, we did a trip to, to Florida, uh, two, two humans, one dog, and I was doing the weight and balance on it, and I was like, "Well, we need to keep our bags under 250 pounds um, to in the baggage compartment um, to stay inside of the weight and balance envelope." And it's like, "Well, we can't fit 250 pounds of bags in, <laughs> inside of the plane, so I think we'll be okay." Um, and that oh, you trip fun with my family. <laughs> <laughs> well, those size you know, bags they... don't actually fit through the uh, access. Right, you've just got that little door. I'm amazed at how dense we can make things. <laughs> <laughs> you got that little door that you got to work things in. And so the the trip that I was planning that we did um was was me one passenger, one dog and our bags um and we were going to uh to Florida to to the Keys. Um and 
so we're I'm planning this out and and nine times out of ten the weather doesn't allow you to do it. You know, either the weather here in Minnesota is terrible or the weather in an adjoining state is terrible where the where the uh freezing level is still too low, you know, that you that you can't safely get out uh even IFR um because of the icing icing problems and uh, we're getting, we've been planning this thing out. I've been looking at the prog charts and watching the, the big weather picture. And I'm like, well, this is looking okay. We, you know, I think we're actually going to get out of here. And as the, as the day approached, the plan was to depart on Christmas day. Um, and as the day approached, that became untenable, but we could leave the day before. Uh, so we changed our plans, loaded up the plane. We were uh, left early. We were going to go to Michigan um, to stop and spend Christmas Eve uh, with family and then depart Michigan and head down to Florida on, on Christmas Day. And so I'm, I'm doing all the planning and doing all the, and I, and I call for a briefing because sometimes, sometimes I just like to talk to a human being. Um, and so I call flight service and I'm getting my briefing and they're saying, well, you know, Michigan right now, where you want to go, it's low IFR, but it should be clearing up by 3.30. And I'm like, great, that'll be a good hour after, or a good hour before we are planning to get there. We'll get there an hour later. It'll be fine. You know, we should be, we should be good to go. And we take off and we start motoring in, uh, to the Southeast from, from Minnesota. And, um, I guess, first of all, we take off into 37 degree, a small layer of IMC here in the Twin Cities. And I discover that the attitude indicator is not working. Um, and I am now partial panel uh, in actual IMC. Um, so I am working with the autopilot and just flying partial panel using my directional gyro and my other the the five instruments that I've got that are working, um, the the DG was working fine, the autopilot was working fine, VSI, airspeed, altimeter were all doing great, um, but I didn't have a functioning attitude indicator, and it turns out that the AI just took a long long time to spin up, um, and it was longer than the entire you know run up and taxi and departure it was several minutes of cruise uh cruise speed before the ai had completely spun up hmm. um which that's, was a bit of a, a dangerous situation that's a gyro right yep it's a Air gyro driven based or, vacuum, or a vacuum, vacuum driven pump. yep gyro huh. uh attitude indicator and it was like that's that's really a scary thing hmm. Um, but I was really glad that I could still fly partial panel and that the autopilot was there to, to help me out and um, made it through that, was on top within a couple of minutes. And then uh, a few minutes after that, the AI had spun completely up and it was it was fine for the rest of that flight. Um, but as we're, we're motoring along and I've got ADSB in and and foreflight is showing me the weather and the weather is not improving at our destination um, and we're getting closer and closer. In fact, the weather was getting a little bit worse. It was three hundred and half a mile visibility, which was below minimums for the best approach that I could get uh, into that airport or to any airport really nearby. Uh, and so we said we just made the decision en route that okay, we're just going to start heading south. 
Um, so we landed in Indiana to take on fuel and to do a little bit of flight planning. Um, so we're sitting in a, at a little, um, uh, we're in Jasper County, Indiana, and we're sitting at a little little airport that neither of us have ever seen, but it has cheap gas. Um, and, you know, I top the tanks off and we go inside of the little terminal building and we start, put four flight out on the, on the table and start looking at, okay, where can we go? Uh, we have a friend in Atlanta. Oh, we can't get a hold of her, so we're not going to be able to stay there. Uh, what else is on the way? Well, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay, let's let's take a look at Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we call um, the FBO on the phone and say, hey, we uh, it's Christmas Eve and we would like to uh, come in and we want to make sure that you guys are open uh, and that you're going to be open when we get there and we need a hotel. And the fantastic FBO um, in Chattanooga, Wilson, uh gets on the phone and starts calling hotels and they're like, we found a hotel. We got them to drop their pet fee and it's all great. And it's all set up. And we're like, great. And we're going to need a ride. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, uh, yeah, and we'll get a ride set up for you. Oh, uh, cool. And so we fly into there uh, a few hours later and we, um, we land, you know, we cross the little tiny end of the Appalachian mountains um, and come in and land. It's beautiful VFR night. Um, and they, there's three people meeting us at the plane and they've got a little red carpet square out for us to, to step off the plane onto. And we load up all of our bags onto a little cart and they put them into a van. Um, and they're, and we make arrangements for when they're going to pick us up the next day and Hey, top the fuel tanks off. And, they take us to the hotel on the other side of town and it was great. It was all just phenomenal. Um, and you know, yep, the gas was expensive, but the experience was absolutely worth it. Um, they took such good care of us under, you know, it's Christmas Eve. We were like, we are going to end up sleeping in some <laughs> little terminal building at some little podunk airport or, you know, inside of an FBO somewhere. Um, but they got us a, a great hotel and, um, the next morning we got up, the airport was actually socked in with fog and they came and picked us up. And by the time we drove back, the air, the, the fog had burned off and mostly you, still a corner of the airport was still socked in. But, um, you know, we got in the plane and, and kind of continued on our merry way, except that on departure, the ELT started firing and I could hear it bleeding over into the tower frequency. And I'm like, and I can see the ELT switch, which normally is up on the panel in this particular plane, it's by my left forearm, it's on the wall. And so I'm reaching over and I'm tapping on it. And, and I, I apologize to the, um, to the controller. And I say, you know, I'm sorry that e that ELT is mine and, and it's going off and I'm trying to, to get it to stop. And after a few minutes of, of messing around with it, it stopped and we figured, well, okay, the plane was soaked in water. There's probably some, some water got onto something that maybe it shouldn't have. And that's just the way it's going to be, but it's blown out now and, and we're good to go. And we didn't think anything about it. We continue on our merry way. Um, we stop at a little airport in uh, the North of Florida. That's got again, cheap, 
gas. It was 368 a gallon. Um, it's not bad. And that was great. We were super happy. Um, it's funny, we, the wide gap in fuel costs I, for Avgas, you know, I mean, I guess car fuel can be like that too, depending on what state you live in. You know, when we cross the border to go into California for things like that, you know, it's like going, well, there goes the cheap fuel, you know, fill up before you right. can cross the border. Yeah, there's high-tech states and there's low-tech states, and you can really see it. Um, you know, ForeFlight has a view where you can just say, show me 100 low lead, um, and it blasts that out, and you can tell. And I, I Minnesota is a high-tech state, and fuel is 550 a gallon, and Florida is a very low-tech state, and fuel is very, very cheap. Uh, and yeah, and coincidentally, there's a lot of people in Florida who fly light airplanes, and there's airports all over the place. Uh, go figure. <laughs> um, so we had lunch, and we uh, checked out a, a beautiful, um, what was it, an Eclipse, I think. No, not an Eclipse jet. Um, it was one of the light turboprops that just got certified. Um, in any case, yeah, uh, in any case, it was... Uh, we were looking at that, and it, um, we got to get back in the plane and continue on our merry way and uh, fly north to south across the state of Florida and across the Everglades, which is really, really creepy. Um, you know, it's absolutely perfectly flat. There are no trees in the Everglades. It's just swamp, and you know it's just filled with alligators yes. and nasty things. Um, and so we're like really hoping that the engine doesn't quit. Cause it's like, I'd rather be over the ocean right now than over the Everglades. It's like that Lake Michigan flight, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's like altitude's your friend. Altitude's Except Lake your friend. Michigan doesn't have, you know, plethora of alligators. Yeah. There's nothing in Lake Michigan that's <laughs> going to eat that. you, but it will, it will kill you just the same. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we made it safe and sound and we, uh, put the plane in, um, and uh in homestead uh and uh of course the fbo's closed but we had called ahead a couple days earlier and arranged for a car they had a rental car there and we found the key where they told us they were going to put the key to the rental car and the contract and we took care of all of that stuff and that was that was all perfectly smooth uh went and had a great trip um eventually it, it was time to to head out on the what was it it was the 31st that we had it headed out. Um, and so we decided we're, the weather was conducive to fly up the eastern, the Atlantic coast of Florida. Um, and we didn't, we really didn't want to fly over the Everglades again because um, that was just spooky. Um, by the way, driving through the Everglades at night gives you an idea of just how dark, dark can get. And <laughs> I would not fly over the Everglades at night without an instrument rating, man. It, it is pitch pitch dark <laughs> there is just nothing to see um so but anyway like, this was that's like out here um yeah when, whenever uh, whenever you get out of the city or anything anywhere that you see is a dark mass with no lights mm -hmm. that's a mountain that's a mountain yeah don't hit that <laughs> don't go there stay away from that so there's no mountains in Florida to hit. No, that's um, for sure. But there was one thing that we had to deal with to get up to go flying up the Atlantic uh, coast on on December 31st, and that was the big presidential TFR. Uh, so 
you know, right at um, Palm Beach International uh, is is where that TFR is centered. And so I take off, and we were working with Miami Approach, and I have never done a TFR, and I did all the Googling. And again, I talked with flight service, and I was like, what do I need to do to fly through this TFR? And, you know, they're confirming what I thought I understood from, from my Googling, um, which is basically you need to be... What was the altitude it set, was set at? The altitude uh, goes surface, the to, surface to 17,999. Really? Yeah. Crap. <laughs> so, uh, and there's a core, which you can't go in at all. And then there's the outer ring, which is the 30-mile ring, yeah. which you can fly through. Um, but you either need to be IFR, mm-hmm. or you, which I wasn't going to get a good IFR clearance because I was going to have to fly past Miami, and there was just they were going to route me halfway across the Everglades anyway. <laughs> um, so I was going to be VFR. And if you're VFR, you need to have filed a VFR flight plan. You don't need to have activated it. You just need to have filed it. Um, huh. Okay, that's the rules. Uh, so I'm I'm motoring along, and I've got my I'm working with Miami Approach, and I've got my squat code, and I'm talking to them, and then they hand me off to Palm Beach, and I'm getting closer and closer to this TFR, and you know, four flights flashing me messages about how oh, there's a TFR ahead, and I'm like, I haven't done this before. Am I? certain so i key the mic and and talk to palm beach approach and i'm just like hey look i just want to verify i'm okay to go through this tfr and they were a little bit annoyed they're like yeah you're squawking and talking you're good and that was all they wanted to say to me they i mean it was a super super busy day oh Um, there was planes everywhere um so we fly into the tfr and no jets pop out you know to shoot us out of the sky which was good (laughs) Um, and we're motoring you along. Don't get any un- unattended, uh, unattended what uh, um, formation flying. Right. Yes. <laughs> no. No formation flying. No. Not. No drama at all. Um, and in fact, it's it's easier than the Bravo. Um, they're not giving me a vector. They're not. You know, I don't have to have a clearance. Uh, it's just I have to be talking and squawking. So okay, okay. I'm talking and squawking. I'm doing my thing. Um, and they're super super busy. There are planes everywhere going everywhere it was just crazy uh how much air traffic there was and i mean there's airports all the way up the atlantic coast so i could kind of understand it but i was still kind of blown away by just how much traffic there was and just as a plane is flying right directly underneath us we had we saw him on adsb traffic and and we got visual contact with them, and they just as they're flying underneath us, our ELT starts going off again. So the ELT is firing. We're in a TFR, and there's a plane that just passed underneath us. And boy, did that get ATC's attention. <laughs> um, they key Oops. the mic and give us the traffic alert, which they haven't been giving us. And I can hear bells going off in the background from my ELT. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> we kind of continue on our merry way, you know, traffic in sight. And we they hand us off to, a, you know, the next approach controller and the next approach controller. And we actually didn't talk to Miami Center until we were, or uh, yeah, Miami Center, until we were almost out of the state. 
we were working with approach controller after approach controller the entire way up. It was like Orlando approach and Palm Beach approach and Jacksonville approach um, almost the entire way up the entire length of Florida. It's 600 or so nautical miles. And, you know, I confessed, I'm like, look, you know, if you're hearing an ELT, that's me. Like, I'm trying to shut the thing off. I'm hammering on the button. <laughs> and every time I hit the button, it starts again. And I've tried hitting the arm button. I have tried hitting the disarm button. I have, I am getting frustrated because this thing's going off and it's blasting in my headset and it's, it's becoming a distraction. And I'm like telling my passenger, like, this is a distraction. <laughs> like, this yeah. is really unpleasant. And I really hope that this goes away. And because it wasn't on the panel, they couldn't push the button. I had to, you know, it was by my left arm. So I'm the only one who can really reach it uh, in this little cabin. Um, so super annoying and distracting, but we made it um, all the way to our fuel destination in southern Georgia, uh, Alpha Mike Golf, which is Bacon County, Bacon County, Georgia, and that was the funnest radio call I have ever made. It was <laughs> Bacon Area Traffic Cherokee two nine or zero four Romeo ten miles to the south inbound landing runway three four Bacon. <laughs> um, and all of those calls were just, you know, I'm short final bacon. Um, Anybody and, else on freak? Nope. Uh, clear all runways, bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I made every single call. It was great. <laughs> uh, and then we got out, you know, pulled up to the to the pumps and fuel pumps and uh, shut the plane down. Got and of course, as soon as we touched down, the ELT stopped. Like it, it stopped bleep, bleeping away as soon as the as soon as the nose wheel touched down. What was the heck? Just... Anyway, so I get out of the plane and I grab a screwdriver and I go to the tail and there's a big access panel that has an ELT sticker on it and I take the screws off and I pull the ELT out and I flip that switch to off and I had a very peaceful rest of the day. Um, <laughs> we continued on to uh, Peachtree DeKalb in, in, uh, in Georgia near Atlanta um, which was wholly uneventful, um, except for the fact that I had no idea that Georgia has even less stuff in it than Minnesota does. Um, you know, outside of Atlanta, there is nothing in that entire state. Like really? there are just a couple of trees, like at least in Minnesota, we have farms and, you know, wind farms and lakes. There's nothing. Just peach orchards for as far as I can see. No, just, just, just pine trees. Pine trees. Pine forest. Just forever. Oh my gosh, it was incredible. Um, farms would have been fine, but there was just, we're look, flying along and we're like, geez, you know, there was a heck of a headwind, so we're pretty low, uh, trying to stay a, as as out of it as we could be. And, you know, we're like, God, there's just nowhere to put this plane down if we had to. Like, this would really be unpleasant. I really thought that Georgia was a little bit more urban as a state, but Boy, I had no clue. Pine trees are fairly soft. They're they're kind of soft-ish. <laughs> um, so you know, landed at the cab. They so they have a um, you know, it, it's a big airport. Uh, a lot of jet traffic. Um, oh, I should mention on the way up, we saw somebody out was out flying their L thirty nine, just doing practice takeoffs and landings. That was pretty cool. You know, to see somebody flying along in their little jet fighter. That must um, suck. 
we saw the NASA launch facility because um, we're right on the coast. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, we you know we left all that behind and and came into Atlanta and uh, um, made it to the north side of that of the Class Bravo airspace and again working with Approach and doing all the things and they have um, the FBOs are very expensive you know they're typical seven dollar a gallon eight dollar a gallon gas um, plus landing you know plus fees and tie down fees and all the other uh, fun stuff. Um, but they have a self-serve gas pump, which has two, count them, two parking spots that you can rent for $20 a night. Uh, How and, nice. And so I went online and rented the spot, the, the one spot that was available, and uh, paid, I don't remember what I paid for gas. Um, I probably have a spreadsheet. Uh, gas was, was reasonable-ish. Let's see. It was five thirty-five a gallon, which was cheap compared to the FBOs, um, what they were charging, and uh, got my parking spot. Um, got to walk through the completely abandoned, empty flight training building, but was open and unlocked, which we were super happy about. <laughs> um, and uh, spent New Year's Eve there, and then the next day uh, headed home via. Litchfield, Illinois, and then back to Crystal, where there was snow and ice and breaking action reports, and <laughs> used all three thousand three hundred feet of the runway, and uh, um, wished I had packed my cleats because pushing that airplane across <laughs> ice-covered ground is not fun. <laughs> it just, it just really isn't very much fun at all. It's a workout, uh, huh? It is. Um, and, it's, of course, it's got bugs on it because we were flying down south where there are still living bugs. <laughs> um, but there's no way for us to get them off because if you spray the windows with window cleaner, it's going to freeze. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cheaper I, to use vodka. Those bugs are going to be on there until about, you know, April, I think. Um, but it was a great trip. We did... Uh, 2,700 nautical miles, uh, bought 280 gallons of fuel. Um, you know, it uh, managed the trip well. We, we were flexible with our schedule, which was really important. Um, on a trip of that distance, you just cannot, in the winter especially, you just can't rely on the weather being the way you need it to be when you want it to be that way. Um, so, you know, we came home a couple days early, we left from Minneapolis a day early, and we just figured it out. And I think that's one of the big secrets to successful long-distance GA trips is you just have to be flexible and able to figure out, you know, where you're going to stay and, and how you're going to enjoy that part of the trip. Um, and, you know, I've been to the northwest corner of the U.S. and now to the southeast corner of the U.S. And, um, you know, the big, long, complicated trips, but they're getting a little bit more manageable. So that part was fun. It's a heck of an adventure, man. I'm, I'm glad I did it. You know, these are not inexpensive flights by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, compared to flying the human mailing tube, yeah. um, it certainly would have been would have been cheaper um but 
we got to see some friends along the way and we got to have some adventures and see different parts of the country and uh, and just enjoy what general aviation could give us. So I encourage it. Y'all should should go out and do the big big trips for once in a while. Yeah. But don't so make cool. a habit of it. It's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly, right? Yeah, I don't know how the guys can do it flying you know, 150 hours a year on their own dime. Yeah, that's just, man, as as as, as much as I'd want to do that, it's just like, I don't, you know, how do you afford that? I mean, that's, you know, on a normal person's income, right? right? right. You know, that's what, it, that's what it comes down to. It's like, but uh, the experience nonetheless is, is something you remember forever. It is. Yeah. Those are, those are really, you know, great experiences and great chances to see the country. Um, so it's a, it's a once in a blue moon thing, but you know, it's, it's a thing that I'm, I'm glad I've had the chance to do. Yeah. And not just the experience, but the, the learning along the way. Yeah. You that's know, a huge part skills of, it, piece is of just, it. Yeah. It's just learning. How do I, manage the flight how do i deal with all of the the weird things that are going to happen along the way whether it's a failed ai or a, a busted elt <clears throat> or uh, whatever other challenges weather uh that that gets thrown at you yeah i mean the closest thing i ever had to that was just when franz and i flew to oshkosh that one year and right. honestly it was is the most fun uh I've ever had in a plane. I mean, I, I totally enjoy my, my um, trip to Catalina every year. I mean, that I look forward to. That's so much fun all in itself. But that whole long trip navigation thing that you got to do all this planning for, and it's just, you know, you and your plane or, you know, two guys in, in, a, in a plane, you're, you're, you're going along going, hmm, well, we're going to need fuel in an hour. Where do you think's a good spot? You know, and you're looking up on four flight going, well, here's some cheap gas and you, you land. And it's just like, it's just, you know, we were in Kansas, you know, that was our first fuel stop from Arizona, which was, it's pretty amazing, you know, right that distance, but Mooney is super efficient, but uh, you get there and it's just, you know, you one hanger, a few crop dusters. In a self-serve, you know, fuel farm. So <laughs> exactly, there's nobody there, it, except you know. The funny thing was, we stopped in Litchfield, Illinois, which is just like that, right? It's an ag mm-hmm. airport, and uh, we pull in, find the little fuel pump, and start filling up the the tanks and and you know, grounding the ground the plane and the doing all the things. And as I'm finishing up, a, a Cessna 172 pulls up, and I'm like, "Well, that's that's a heck of a coincidence. It's the first time we've seen anybody <laughs> at any airport that we've stopped at, and this is our last stop before we're home." And um, uh, you know, kind of pull the plane out of the way and and put it in a little parking spot and go inside, and we're trying to figure out, you know, oh, the crew car is gone, so we can't grab food, and what are we going to do, and and we're working through the issues and um, another plane pulls up and they're there to grab fuel. And so, you know, and then another plane pulls up. Everybody so there's knows like a this line for its cheap fuel or something. Yeah. Yeah. It had $3.90 gas. <laughs> and that's why that's what drew the entire place in. And so a lot of people had flown down to St. Louis, which was uh, probably 70, 80 miles away. And we're heading back to Chicago again. 
Uh, and uh, were all excited about the big tailwind that they were going to get going home instead of the big headwind they were fighting getting there. Um, so it was it, that was an interesting counterexample of just like a little podunk town with a little airport that everybody came to. <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder, you know, what what these kind of flights would have been like before the internet and for flight. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's just it, you know? right? You know, how would you, cell phones. other than word of mouth of your fellow aviation friends, I mean, how would you have known where the cheap gas was? Yeah, or you're just landing where you can and paying yeah. whatever it is. But then these these small airports probably get a lot more now than they used to. Well, and, and self-serve people- fuel pumps with credit cards are a relatively recent phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So you'd be going to a place with an FBO and a fuel truck, and you'd have to know that they were open. You know, And I'm doing all this flying on New Year's Day and Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Like It would have been a much different experience. You ever find yourself flying and you're like, oh, I'm gonna, uh, and you're like, I'm going to get a little bit lower. I don't. What was your? I, I don't know if you said it and I missed it. But you're, you're like average altitude you're at. On the way down, we were at about seven thousand feet, okay. and on the way back, we were we were most of the time at thirty five hundred. Oh, you were low anyways. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. We were trying. You know, we're going uphill, up upwind the uh-huh. whole way home. Oh, okay. So I was like. So, you know, hey, let's get a little bit lower so we can get a an internet signal so we can check something, you know. <laughs> yeah, even then it wasn't, it wasn't very good. Oh. Um, the internet coverage was was pretty awful uh, at that altitude. Um, but, but, you know, to your point, without in-cockpit weather, the first part of the trip, you know, we would have been working with, with FlightWatch and ATC and trying to figure and trying to plan this out, we would have landed at whatever airport we could get to, not one with cheap gas. Um, you know, we would have hoped that they had gas and that they were open <laughs> on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that planning and, and execution gets so much harder without in cockpit weather and having downloaded all of the fuel and routing information that I could having GPS to do the navigation so I can just, you know, punch direct to and go and not have to fly uh, either, you know, pilotage or fly the Victor Airways to try to get there. I mean, all of that stuff is so much easier today than it would have been. Hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. And of course you got the, uh, the benefit of the, uh, moving map and the magenta line and all that versus the, mm-hmm. <laughs> hand the navigation chart navigation's yeah. dead simple. You know, the plane's got an autopilot that can follow the magenta line. Um, you know, I've just got to keep kind of keep an eye on things and make sure that we're going the right direction and fuel consumption is what I think it should be. Um, oh yeah. An engine monitor to, to monitor fuel, fuel flow and fuel burn and, you know, how much gas are we going to have when we land and how many hours and minutes of gas are we going to have when we land? That it, it's all so useful. How much uh, did, um, how much, uh, IFR were you doing it? If any, just the very beginning just of that. the flight when we left. Yeah. Um, so I've got probably, well, I take that back. Um, the last leg into Homestead, Florida, uh, the last leg going South, um, we picked up probably 20 minutes of IFR. So I had to pick, get a pop-up clearance and, and continue uh, that way. But we were VFR the, the rest of the way. The whole flight back, we didn't see a cloud. <laughs> nice. 
Very nice. Wow. Yeah, that's that's something to aspire to right there. Of course, and also have your own plane, you know, to where you can just don't have to worry about <laughs> renting one and getting it back at a certain time, right? You know, you're going to get it back when you get it back. Um, you know, I, I, I don't own a plane, right? I'm in a club and... You know, we put a time that we're expecting to get back, and I, I generally will pad it out on both ends, um, which turned out great because I had to leave a day early. But then we got back three days ahead of time, ahead of when we expected to. That's um, nice. And so you bring it back a little bit early. But if you're late, you're late. Like nobody's going to be, you know, saying, "Well, geez, why didn't you fly into that icing?" freezing rain thunderstorm <laughs> well it's not like the plane wasn't getting used either you know oh i'm just yeah. taking it here for a week and it's going to sit that ain't that wasn't the case at all right well it, it did sit for a week but it it sat you know 1200 miles away yeah but you put you were putting yeah you're putting hours on it too so the total yeah, hours but, over that week wasn't bad you know it's not like they were pissed that you had it and no one was able to use it it was getting used yeah yep it got it got a ton of hours on it so, yeah, I've often wondered. I, you know, when I was learning in the Archer, and then I, and then then I pulled up next to another one that looked like an Archer, but I could tell it was something different. You know, and the guy says, "Oh, it's a Dakota." I'm like, well, "It looks like an Archer. What's a Dakota?" And he he tells me, and I was like, "Oh," and I and I kept running in my head with like, "Well, what's the point?" You know, because <laughs> like you said, because it's it's not a ton faster, twenty knots faster, probably. Yep. You know, than an archer. That. You know, and a lot more fuel burn. A lot. Yeah, about 50%. But you can just put a ton of stuff in that. Now, when I go to uh, California and uh, and I rent the archer and it's 180 horse, it's a 181, right? PA 28, 181 that I rent. Um, you know, I you can always fill, you can always, we always fill the tanks to the tabs and I can put four people in that airplane but we don't have any luggage and, and I'm good all day long at that. You know, I'm within CG and everything. I'm no, I'm, I'm all, I'm all fine, but yeah, we couldn't be like doing a week long trip trip and, and everybody had baggage and stuff and do that. That's for sure. Exactly. It, um, so it, it, it fills a niche. Um, I personally, you know, it replaced our Mooney, which we lost. Um, and I personally prefer the Mooney a ton, but it's just not a great club airplane. Um, a little too complex. It, it's it's a little too fragile. Um, you know, you've got to be dead on on your speeds with it. Um, it's got you know cowl flaps and and just there's a lot of things that they had to do to that plane to make it fast and low fuel burn and mm -hmm. so you know you've got retractable gear and you which is complicated and you've got a, sh a very slippery airframe so you've got to manage your speed and uh there's just a lot going on in that plane and so i can understand why they didn't want to replace it with another mooney um yeah Speaking and i don't mooney, i don't mooney yeah, poor Mooney. Poor They've furloughed everybody again the second time. I know. They're like, oh, hey, we're going to come back to work after after the holidays. Nope. Just stay home. Yeah. And I, I hope that they I hope that they recover and 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 are able to turn out planes. Um, I mean, they're not know, even they're, servicing what's out there. 
right now. They're not building replacement parts. No, they're, they're not doing anything right now. And, you know, it's hard to compete with Cirrus. Um, You know, it's not that the Mooney isn't a great plane. I think it is. It's just the market wants what the market wants. Yeah. And the market really likes a fixed gear single with a parachute that's fast. Yeah. And, you know, the Mooney's fast and it burns a lot less gas, but it doesn't have much useful load uh, and it doesn't have the chute and it's got retract. Like you're saying, the market wants what the market wants. Uh, Who else? Who is building uh, piston twins right now for training and stuff? Yeah. Right. Piper. Where where'd all those go? <laughs> you know, you get yeah. you got the seminal. Congratulations. Yep. You know, and if someone goes, "Hey, there isn't enough of those," and someone else goes out there and says, "Oh, we're going to start building these again," it probably not going to. You know, why hasn't Cessna jumped into that? Right. Well, because they know the market, don't they? Right, and they and they have the Baron. Yeah. You know, they they own Beach. Uh, Textron well, yeah. owns Beach, Textron, and. Yeah. Um, they have the Baron and, you know, they're not making hard, they're not selling hardly any King airs anymore because the market wants a turboprop single because it's just as reliable as a turboprop twin. It's a little bit easier to, it's a lot easier to fly. Um, and it's half the fuel burn. So, okay. You know, they're not selling a lot of King airs anymore because you can buy a Pilatus or a TBM, um, for a fraction of the price and a oh, yeah. fraction of the ownership cost. Speaking of the King Air, when we were at Osh, did you go inside the King Air 350 King Ranch edition that they had? No, I did not. <laughs> you know the King Ranch edition from Ford, right? You know, if you got a Ford F-150 or 350, whatever, King Ranch edition. It's the special leather and all that stuff. So they did that to the interior of a, of a, of a 350. And uh, it's pretty. Smelled nice. <laughs> Smelled nice. Look really a, good. What does a King Air cost these days? Oh, four. Uh, I'd say probably quite a bit more than that. Even I don't know. Nice. I mean, yeah, it probably it's got to be a, 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 PC a TBM is more than that, isn't it? Yeah, a TBM is five. So you know, King Air is probably two of those, eight or nine. Two of those big ass Pratt and Whitney's on it. So yeah, I, I was really surprised getting yeah, in yeah. it and sitting down of how narrow the inside of that plane was i was expecting a little bit more room than it than it really is but you know i'm not going to complain because i don't own one so <laughs> eight, eight million eight mil eight million jeez that might be as of 2016 oh right I mean, <laughs> that's not the know, king ranch edition i'm sure <laughs> you, can, you can get a pretty sweet ride for for a lot less than that and buy a lot of gas yeah that's right um that and honestly right. have better dispatch times <laughs> so, so yeah. it's it is what it is but that was my that was my epic journey epic it was very much so well i uh like i said i have my flight review um early november my uh my um uh, I was due at the end of uh, end of December 31st, so uh, took a took a flight review uh, October or November 4th with my buddy uh, Dave, and um, um, rented a plane out of out of Glendale as usual, and uh, we did a little uh, you know just air to air work stuff over in Rainbow Valley, just just south of uh, of uh, of Glendale, south south of uh, South Mountain. <clears throat> And uh, did our nor- normal air-to-air work out there and all that stuff. 
as everybody does. And then he's like, anything else you want to work on? I said, I want to do power off 180s. Nice. Uh, and, and he's like, oh, you've never done one of those before? I go, honestly, I don't think I've ever done one of those, ever. And he goes, oh, yeah, let's go do those. So we went back to Glendale and got in the pattern and, you know, killed the engine, uh, you know, pretty much uh, a beam the numbers, right? And uh, and just worked it, worked it coming back. And, man, you could have uh, – you could probably killed the engine – halfway down the airport instead of a beam the numbers and still made it easily i was really surprised yeah you can in a in a light single well yeah maybe not in the 235 right in the 235 it's not bad and in the saratoga you're pushing the nose down like you are just begging to make it i isn't the the power off 180 in the pts now for for private private i don't know or is that only for commercial I know it's part of the commercial. We could we could look that That's up real PTS quick. That's not PTS either. It's ACS. I'm, yeah, I'm using ACS. The wrong. Yeah, how dare us? Yeah, I did like uh, three of those. <clears throat> Had a lot of fun. Um, interesting, you know, because normally, like, I'll I'll kill the power and go idle about three quarters of a mile out to final because I, I I like my altitude, and I'll just work it down from there. Um, so it was interesting stopping the power right there and then when and how much flaps to put in. And, uh, and that last time we landed because I made my turn so early instead of extending my downwind a little bit more, you know, I made my turn so early and I was still slightly turning over top of the edge of the runway that I didn't land until almost mm, three quarters of the way down the runway. Um, I used uh, the very last taxiway to turn off, but uh, you know. So I know for the commercial, you've got to land that thing. You've got to touch down within 200 feet of a of a pre-chosen mark. Yeah, I would have blown that by a country mile. Yeah, <laughs> and it looks like it is only a commercial maneuver. Is it still? Yeah. Well, they're fun. They're definitely lots of fun. Something to to go out and practice every once in a while, anyways. I was just looking the other night. It looks like we got full moons coming up. So uh, I was like, man, it'd be great just to leave work and head to the airport, you know, and about the time I get uh, to the airport and get the get the plane pre-flighted and everything, it's sun setting. It'd be a good time to go get uh, night current right now. This is the time. Is it full moon where you're at, too? Oh, uh, yeah, it'll yeah. be. It should be Somewhere everywhere. There. Okay, good deal. And... Good uh, deal. But, you know, we've got so much city light that it's... uh, Doesn't matter much? It doesn't matter. Yeah. I guess it depends on where I would fly out of. Because if I start flying, if I do get back in and fly out of uh, Bay Bridge again, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere-ish. That big light bulb in the sky is kind of handy sometimes. Yeah. Well, especially when there's snow on the ground, because it really lights up. Oh, Oh, I bet. I bet. Never thought about that, but that reflection from the snow. Yeah. Snow is snow is fun. Yeah. Um, I uh, I also uh, renewed my basic med. And so I was kind of that? Well, What's that like? I'll tell you. Here's what it's like. Renewing your basic med after having your basic med is only going online, taking the test, and printing off the certificate. You don't got to go see a doctor. That's every four years. How you like that? 
I mean, I go to the doctor every year anyway, but yeah. I I, yeah, I'm lot. looking at. Uh, I was almost ready to go see the AME and just get my third class again because of going through the whole basic med. I was like, wow, that was way more invasive than any of my, um, you know, class threes have ever been. So why not just go back to that? Um, plus, I've I I'm no longer taking uh, the thyroid medication that I was on, which turned out to be a nothing burger anyways. It was nothing to be uh, concerned about as far as medical goes. Um, yeah, I, I was on this, I was on this medication called methizomol for my thyroid because I was kind of overactive, um, kind of having hyperthyroidism to a certain degree. Um, I was on that medication for about a year and my doctor's like, well, let's take you off it. Check your, check your blood in three months and see what's up. So he did that and everything was good. He was like, well, it may have just restarted itself, you know, to uh, get yourself back into, into the groove of things of where it's supposed to be. And then he goes, well, let's try back in, another, in six months. So we did. It was all good. So I've been off of it for a year now, a little over a year, I think. And I just went back again and, and he goes, yep, all your levels are normal again. So we'll just keep our eye on it. So I was like, well, that's cool. So, but anyways, yeah. So if you did your basic med, um, the next time you do it, all you got to do is go online and, and and go through that little test thing, you know, um, take you know, watch the videos and read the stuff, and then at the end take your test and then print off your certificate and you're all good to go. So nice, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? Yeah, I'm. Uh, um, that's on my list of stuff in the next month or two to figure out because I'm going to have a physical coming up and I'm my. Third class is up, I believe, this month. Mm. So I'm due to do it. Yeah, I think I've got a. I'm trying to remember if my BFR is this year or next year. Mine was like two years ago. So I'm up again. I finally started putting it in my Google Calendar, <laughs> stuff like this that comes around and just like, oh, before you know it, you're not paying attention. Then all of a sudden, oh, shoot, I got to get that done. So I just started putting it in my calendar to give me a 30 day notice of when stuff like that is coming due. Thankfully for the flight review, like four flight will just tell me. Oh, that's always good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like can't the log the electronic log books are great for that. I can't believe you even keep paying for that. If you're not flying very much. I, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm not right now. Yeah. And you were talking like, I remember one day you were talking to us about uh, rental insurance. I'm like, but why? <laughs> well, actually that was, that was because, you know, I had planned to do fly last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I was like, you know, if, if I'm gonna go, I might, you know, I might as well keep keep it. So yeah, I stopped paying for four flight for now, but we'll see how this year goes. But I'm gonna do the basic med because I mean, I might, you know, it doesn't take much extra, and I already go to the doctor every year. So yeah, yeah, just hit up your doctor ahead of time and uh, and just email over that paperwork to their assistants to have them look at it so he knows because my doctor had never done one before, but. All these doctors, just these general practitioner doctors, uh, do do DOT inspections. Which I'm assuming is very similar. Mo- yeah. Way more invasive, in fact. But yes, I mean, it, you're you're both there for the same reason, you know. Yeah. So I'm I'm just gonna um, when I make the appointment, send send it in with that because I can do it all online. So I'll just add that. Yeah. It was the first time my doctor had seen that paperwork, but he goes, "Yeah, we have to do DOT stuff," and you, you know, it's it's way more intrusive than than this is. But I understand the purpose of it, so it's like, well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I just checked. End of April will be my 
my next flight review, and it will be my 10-year anniversary of flying. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And you guys got someone oh. within the club that does that for you, right? We have, uh, yeah, we have CFIs in the club, and I've got some other buddies who are CFIs too, so we can do it that way. You know what? I'm, yeah, my first flight was, I think I just passed that. Ten years. Mine's mine was in May, or it's like next week. It was in January is when I started. So in a year, I'll have my. I'll be ten years since I got my. Um, my oh, my ten years will be May, May tenth. Can I not even see my logbook if I don't subscribe? Before flight, <laughs> well, that would be kind of awful. And then they um, then they just delete it if you haven't logged in in ninety days. Or right, it's yeah. <laughs> out of the cloud. No. Yeah, I literally can't get past that account. Let me see if I can get on plan the fourth flight. That's kind of annoying if that's the case. We need to free up the space, so we had to delete that. Sorry. Uh, the cloud well, was full. Well, while you're looking that up. Um, so that was uh, November 4th was that flight review and definitely had to get that done because uh, at the end of November is our annual pro- pilgrimage over to uh, um, California for uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. How was the new runway? I almost, <sighs> almost <laughs> talked myself into flying out there. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, um, it, it's certainly much better than the gravel pit that it used to be. Um oh. It, uh, you know, no potholes. I mean, other than the expansion joints, because it's all concrete, they, they're not doing asphalt, they're doing concrete. Um, so it's a little firmer or whatever, but um, but the expansion joints, you hear the boom, boom, as you go across those. But other than that, it's, it's super nice compared to what it was. Um, as usual, I tried to gather up all the usual suspects to go out there and everybody's like, yeah, 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 until the week of. And they're like, oh, shoot, I can't make it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like doggone it come on right and i you know bill i can always count on bill um bill wrote shows up he showed up with his buddy jerry camp um and uh and then one of his other buddies uh rich uh lee uh came with his 172 and uh, all three of those guys are part of the same uh, um this the same uh uh <sighs> What is it? Uh, we were just talking about it. Your son's in... CAP. CAP. CAP yeah, they're all part of the same, same CAP group, I believe. So, uh, yeah, they do a lot of flying together anyways. But uh, So, uh, Jerry uh, flew in with Bill. And then, so I, I had a... You know, I always take some people from my camp. Uh, so, I took uh, um, a couple of friends and their daughter went with... Uh, Went with Bill, and then Jerry jumped out of Bill's plane, even though it's Cherokee Six, but to, to fly with Rich in his 172, so he didn't have to fly alone. But dude, this the whole week of Thanksgiving was just a cluster with rain. I mean, no. it rained four out of the seven days that we were there. I mean, it was just a swampy mess um, as far as camping goes. When we first got there, it was nice. Um, got did a couple of things like. Went golfing the first day. Uh, I, there's a golf golf course that's right next to um, the 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 campsite and the airport. Nice golf course. Had fun doing that. The next day, uh, me and a few people went to um, uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain. Um, did the roller coaster thing, and then rain, 
and then rain all day Wednesday and Thursday. So we're trying to, you know, cook Thanksgiving dinner outside uh, in the rain. Of course, we've got tons of easy ups. We've got three easy ups that are that that 10 by 10 easy ups that go together uh, to create just the kitchen for our campsite. Oh, then we've got these two huge tents that are like uh, like the white elephant at, at, at Osh at Camp Bacon, you know, the big white elephant. We have two of those that are that size, maybe even a little bit bigger than that. We fit about 12 picnic tables underneath those in order to eat uh, out of the rain. But uh, yeah, so Thanksgiving Day, I mean, it's raining and everything, and, and we're finally ready to eat. It's literally um, 41 degrees, maybe. <laughs> and we're outside eating on picnic tables underneath the tents and stuff. So balmy. Oh, yeah. Shorts, t-shirts. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, my kid wore shorts to school Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> and then it was today when it was finally, the wind chill was like 15 below. And okay. I was like, all right, I wore pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Toughed it out long enough. <laughs> So it's, it's, yeah, it's just what you get used to, right? And then uh, it, it rained off and on a little bit Friday. Um, the mountains all around us, the the range of mountains to to the north of us, completely white. Now there was no snow on them when we showed up, but all that rain and cold, especially a little bit further north, just blanketed the mountains, which was kind of pretty. And then Saturday it did not rain, which was nice, but it was. Mm, overcastish kind of gray you know what it looks like you know um and then so so we went flying and 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 did our normal flight out there our our, our three of us um but we didn't do any formation or anything like that we kind of did our own thing and uh right about the time i was coming up to uh twin harbors at at the uh at the island rain on the windshield you know just kind of misting sprinkling a little bit i was like ah, oh, great <laughs> yeah and um, instead of our normal our normal landing, oh shoot, I want to say now I gotta look up Sky Vector real quick. Um, I was gonna say runway three, but I bet you it's runway seven. Let me just double check here. Oh, there it is. Yeah, four. Oh, four. Yeah, four and two two. Normally, uh, we'll land on runway four and. Um, it's a it's a little like uh, uphill um, when you're landing, and uh, but instead the run the winds were favoring uh, two two, so we came in from a different direction. I've never ever landed on two two. I always take off, um, or uh, no, I don't take off from two two. I'm sorry. I always uh, land on four and take off on four, and then go when we leave, go to the backside of the mountain, kind of hug it and swing around, swing around it from uh, left to right, and and head back, uh, head back to the mainland. But this time, this time we, we, we landed and, and took off on two, two, and it was just a tad bit gusty. Um, it was just like, you know, in the, in the upper teens. Um, I like right before my wheels touched down, my next thought that was coming out of my head was go around type of thing. But, uh, you know, wing into the wind and stuff. And it was just like that, that, uh, that windsock at the end of the runway was just like, straight out like i was you know that 15 mile an hour windsock was uh pushing straight out but uh you know it was kind of funny because i was expecting a little bit rougher rougher landing but uh i just I got lucky 
you know, just kind of uh, my, my two passengers who's never flown with me kind of, you know, applauded and said, Hey, what a good job. Nice landing. And I was just like, had the white knuckle death grip on the, uh, on the, on the yoke and throttle there, man. I was like ready for the go around, but, uh, it all turned out good. Yeah. Well, that's what you got to do. And sometimes it just comes up nice and easy. Yeah. The, the, uh, runway came up and met me just at the right time. Um, had our, had our, uh, doesn't happen enough. What's that? <laughs> it doesn't happen enough. No. Yeah, it's true. We went in and all had our, uh, Buffalo burgers and, uh, thought, I, I thought another front was coming in and, but we hung out for a while and, and, uh, everybody had a good time. I, I've still yet to, uh, I, I always leave myself enough time, but the last two times we went this year and the, and the year before, um, the weather was coming in and, uh, I've always wanted to go do the hike. There's a, a heck of a trail right there next to the airport that you can go do. And, and most people report seeing the Buffalo when they do that. Uh, but I've yet to go see that and yet to go do that. I've yet to go ever, ever see any of the Buffalo on the Island. I, I see water holes, watering holes everywhere, but no Buffalo around them. So it'd be cool. Did our, uh, did, I did a flight over a TFR, of course, the, the Disneyland TFR. Right. And if that one's harder to get cleared through. Yeah. Not so, not so bad. It's a, it's a, has a 3000 foot uh, ceiling for their TFR. So we go right over top of it at 3,500 feet. No big deal. It's, it's really interesting to see. And I've got some pictures over the years of going over it, and it was really neat seeing it from last year to this year because of a uh, star Wars land um, of, of how much was completed then to now it's open. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool to be there. Yeah. I've heard not so interested to go do it, but uh. <laughs> I know it's worth it. That, that I, I know you hate Disneyland, but like if you have any love for star Wars at all, like once you're in that land, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. I'm sure it's just the walking, you know, six inches at a time for 12 hours a day just gets on my nerves. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's funny. Cause you know, I, I loved uh, six flags. Um, of course the lines aren't near as long. It's not near as busy. Um, but I'm a, I'm a roller coaster guy, you know, set my hair on fire, flip me upside down. Let's go, you know, crazy fast. That's, I like doing that. But, uh, and I, I'm sure I would like the Star Wars area, and I like some of the other rides at Disneyland. But for the most part, I just can't stand the the, the, the foot traffic; <laughs> it kills me. So, well, who's coming to Osh? I hope. Um, not only am I coming, but I'm bringing the family. Oh, right! Really? Mm-hmm. Where are you staying? Well, so, so yeah, right. How big's our tent? Um, anyways, no. So, um, Richard and Cindy, my daughter's in-laws, right. Who we're best friends with that we do all the camping with. Right. Well, Cindy just retired from, uh, from Honeywell, um, last month. So, um, they were planning, she was planning on retiring in April anyways. Um, but, uh, it just turned out that it was, it was good enough just to go retire at the end of the end of the year. She was going to wait, wait till April. So they'd get her, she'd get her bonus for 2019. Um, <clears throat> but it turned out it wasn't going to be worth it based on what her, uh, 
what her um, uh, pension was going to be if she just retired now anyways. So she'd been there like 30 years. So, yeah, pension, right? Who knows about those? <laughs> Not many places have those anymore. So they're coming up? Yeah, so so they're going to they're gonna head that way um, just uh, with the RV. And he, he even built a bar just for, just for Camp Bacon. <laughs> he built a special bar to bring along for us. Wow. Yeah. Um, you've seen some of the pictures maybe that I've, I've shared with you of, of the pallet bars that he built for us, but they're way too big to be dragging across the United States. So he built a kind of a, a little bit smaller one and, and something that, that uh, can break down and fold up easier that he can bring with him. So the plan is, is that he's going to get, get all the way to Kansas City, and then I was going to fly into Kansas City and then probably visit my mom and sister and stuff for a day. And then drive on in with him and uh, and Cindy, and then Michelle, my wife, I think will probably either she does the same thing or she flies into Appleton or whatever. So, but anyways, it'll be uh, my wife will be coming, and uh, so will Richard and Cindy. So not the whole family, but uh, little by little. So it should be interesting, and and we're going to be there for the whole week. And so he'll be the RV, his RV will be camped with us here in Bacon. So, so yeah. And, uh, we had, um, um, we t- I told, uh, uh, Larry and Mary Beth about it and everything. And he, and Richard met, met, uh, um, Larry, um, while he was out here too. So we're all family already. So I'm really looking forward to that. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, looking forward to it big time it'll be it'll be an interesting year excited for the uh, the, uh who was at the canadian um um snowbirds snowbirds yeah. oh the snowbirds will be back good yeah that's a, that's a heck of a heck of an air show those guys put on yeah they really that do a tight formation still haven't heard you know, there's still a lot of information still to come out about who's all going to show up and stuff and what the deal is, but it's starting to come out little by little. Yeah. I haven't thought about it too much. I probably should though. Before you know it. I know. This might be our last episode before we get to Oh, how dare you? (laughs) How dare you? Now you're talking like one of our listeners. (laughs) I don't know. The way Which you're one? flying, we just need to have a chat with Brad every, you know, couple weeks, yeah, and we'll be fine. I know, <laughs> I know. We could do that. Just live vicariously through Brad flying. <laughs> we could just we'll rename it. We could just send some money to his PayPal account. Hey, we haven't that we haven't had be, a chance to go fly, welcome. but here's a few bucks if you go fly for us. That would be that would be absolutely welcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. I, uh, I I just flew the other day. I I, f- I flew on January third uh, with my buddy Dean. We did a little blood run up to uh, Sholo. We took a box of uh, blood platelets up to Sholo. So I got to see snow, not on the runway, but uh, the rest of the city was blanketed, and it was freezing. Well, negative six Celsius. That's short. <laughs> That's freezing, right? Yeah, close enough. 
So, yeah. Technically below, yeah, but whatever. Just barely, right? <laughs> well, we fueled up the plane there and, it, and I was like, I was dancing around like I had to pee or something. It was so cold out there while we were just trying to fuel up six lousy gallons <laughs> to top off. What is that, like 10 or 12 <laughs> degrees? Yeah. Well, what? So zero degrees Celsius is 32 degrees Fahrenheit, isn't it? I just know every 10 degrees is 18, so. Yeah, it'd be six would be actually yeah, it'd be less. Yeah, somewhere around there. Low teens. Yeah. <laughs> and Dean's little Cessna 140, uh, his heater's broke inside, so <laughs> but uh yeah, so we we dressed warmly, and of course you're pretty it's pretty snug fit in there for two uh American sized adults, as you put it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a shoulder to shoulder airplane. It's a bummer that in the Cessna one forty, you know, it's it's not exactly a bench, but there's no seat rails. You're not moving your seat. You know, it, it's kind of a fixed position type thing. And uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, so you can't like have one guy scoot back and be have a guy who's got broader shoulders than the other guy not encroach on you. You're you're definitely shoulder to shoulder in that plane. Yeah. Ding just got his his uh his ADSB done uh, in November on on his Cessna 140. He went the, with the uh, U Avionics um, tail tail beacon. The tail mm-hmm. one? Oh, yeah. Nothing like coming in at the last second. Well, the, um, the stinking um, um, approval for that thing, like he'd had it ordered for six months, right? He even went to their shop because he, he's from um, uh, Michigan, and I guess they're from up there. It's a small, small company, right? It's like sure. it's, it's, it's almost done out of someone's garage you know, type of thing. I'm sure it's a little bigger now. Um, but so he went up there and, and, and talked with the guys and they showed him, here's what you're going to get. And, you know, in the mail, as soon as we get it TSO and all that stuff. But that part from the FAA, the TSO porch portion just took, you know, up to the last minute. But as soon as that TSO hit, like they shipped, like I'm sure that all these things were in boxes with, with, uh, with postage on them ready to go out as soon as that hit. But, uh, you know, it's, it was, you know, a nothing burger to install pretty much just, you know, mm-hmm. screw up, screw yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So, yeah, good times. It's like just two wires, right? Pretty much. I mean, cause you're just doing whatever that tail wire power has. So yeah, not much to it. Yeah. Two screws, two wires, and an easy setup app are yeah, all it takes. Yeah, there's an app, and, and you connect to it over uh, Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, whatever. Bluetooth, I think. Maybe it's its own Wi-Fi. Is that right? I can't remember. Wi-Fi. He told me there's an app for it. Yeah, it's its own Wi-Fi is what it is. Yeah. And then, you know, it shows you. It, it gets its Latin long and shows you GPS position and stuff like that. And showed me what the different blinking lights means and stuff like, you know. So... Yeah, so he, he's all set, and he's one of those guys that, you know, if it wasn't for us being under the Bravo shelf, would definitely not get it. I mean, he's definitely a low and slow flyer, but his uh, his Cessna 140 definitely always had an electric system on it at all times, so not getting away from it that like that. So speaking of that, it was kind of funny while we were on our route out to Sholo. Uh, we were on with uh, Phoenix Approach. Actually, we're just monitoring. We're not doing flight following or anything, but we're just listening. And ATC says this guy, you know, 
I don't, I don't know his call sign or anything like that, but basically says to him, Hey, we don't see your ADSB. And he goes, well, I don't have ADSB. He goes, well, you're above 10,000. Do you have a waiver? I don't know anything about a waiver. Wrong answer, buddy. Oops. (laughs) And that was (laughs) January 3rd. Yeah. Here's a number to call. Yeah. Um, And that was pretty much the end of the conversation. I didn't hear anything else about that after that. That was the last thing I heard was, well, I don't know anything about a waiver. And that was, I was like, hmm. I was like, I don't know if I missed something or if someone changed frequencies or he turned off his transponder and went dark. (laughs) I'm not sure what happened, but uh, that was the end of that conversation. I'm sure a lot of that's happening. It probably is. Hey, we have a uh, we have a real time question from one of our two listeners. Uh-oh. Uh oh. On our Facebook page. Yeah, I see that. James Grossman writes uh, that we're probably done recording, but a question he'd love to have answered would be: What is the best family airplane with six seats for a pilot on a budget? Ah, uh, see that qualifying question at the end. <laughs> pilot on a budget. Uh. I, yeah, six that is to because I, I had a whole bunch. Of, I, had a, King yeah, I had a whole bunch of airplanes in mine. Now, <laughs> right. well, I, now I just on have budget, one. You know, it, hey, there's plenty of seven three seven maxes <laughs> in there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there's uh, depends on what that budget is, I suppose. Um, I bet you we're thinking the same airplane, aren't we? Well, you could adopt out a couple, and then you'd be down to four seats, and that would be cheaper. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if they're small and young enough, you can fit them in the baggage compartment, right? Right. Or just you can mount them under the wing. <laughs> Drop pods. <laughs> no, the, the Cherokee 6, right? I mean... Uh, it would certainly be high on my list, yeah. Yeah. The Cherokee 6, and other than that, you're looking at, what, a 206 on the Cessna line? Yeah, and then if you want to go Cherokee 6, but retractable gear, now you got a Saratoga. Yeah, but that kind of throws out the whole budget part. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, again, what does that mean to everybody? That's a, that's that's a different, uh, that's a different, uh, um, you know, thing for everybody, I suppose. But, you know, how how much more would a decent Saratoga be over a decent Cherokee Six? Fifty thousand, or, um, or, or what else you like, or what, what else you like? Two Cherokee One Eighties. Oh. Your wife gets your wife gets her pilot's license. You each take some kids. Perfect. Exactly. Formation fly yeah. across the then, U.S. Then you've got a I couple of empty seats. Now, now why didn't now why don't you just get a twin? It's a twin. Yeah, that's what it is. Right. Really. Yeah. There's 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 um you could get now nah, you couldn't put six people in it. You know most 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 light twins you can't even do six people in. Oh no, that's not true. I mean, um, not in baggage as Texas. As Tex and Seneca's, you can put, you know, you've got 1,200 pounds of useful load. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can do it. Um, but again, that's not going to be a budget. You, then you're talking a retract twin. Yeah. Which Super is super expensive, just the maintenance, right? Right. The maintenance is going to eat you alive. You know, you've got $2,400 worth of spark plugs. <laughs> uh, that's disgusting. You know, you've got $4,000 worth of mags. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's if you get the cheap ones that aren't pressurized. Oh, yeah. So, you know, everything, everything's expensive when you, you know, you've got turbochargers and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but I think, yeah, a Cherokee six is probably the least expensive route. 
Um, and insurance is still going to be a, is dramatically more expensive in a six seater than in a four. Um, and uh, you know, it's high performance. So that adds probably adds a little bit, certainly adds to your fuel burn. Um, but if that's what you're looking at, you know, you got, you got six butts to put in, into the plane. It's probably a Cherokee six is a good way to go. They're, they're not expensive airframes. Um, you know, the engine's pretty simple, especially if you get a carbureted one. Yeah. Um, 260 you know, or 300 horse. I mean, uh, you're just talking about extra, extra, um, useful load on that 300 horse one, right? Uh, yeah, extra useful load and extra fuel burn. Um, but you know, you can, you can do okay. Um, you know, the, the price of a high end, uh, car, um, you know, you can get into a, a Cherokee six. They're tanks and those things are proven. Yeah. You guys had one. Do you still have one at your club? No, we don't. Um, ours, uh, it got bent Mm. and then, uh, we sold that and got the Saratoga because it, Oh, that's right. The six, the six wasn't really flying. Um, it is, it's a great plane for hauling six people, but in a flying club situation, there just aren't that many people that want to haul six people. Um, and the, the speed wasn't there to do a lot of cross country. It was basically the speed of the arrow with 50% more fuel burn. Yeah. Um, now the Saratoga, the Saratoga, you get considerably quicker, right? You get a lot more, you're 154 knots and, and that's, you know, before you take it up to altitude, uh, ours isn't turbocharged, but it's still, it, it gets considerably faster when you go up. Um, and it's got the big 300 horse engine and uh, it's a real go places airplane. Yeah, those are great choices. Totally uh, let it, uh, let us know James uh, what you're looking at. Hit us up on the on the on the Facebook page. Let us know what you what you're going to go going to go check out. We'd love to know. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> Um, I just, well, have we, uh, just got a, have we just got a notice up? the other day. One more thing, um, that, uh, the Deer Valley pilots or the, not Deer Valley pilots association, sorry, the, the Arizona pilots associations, uh, doing another, uh, trip out to the Barry Goldwater range to watch the A-10s and F-16s and F-35s come in and do practice. So I was thinking about going to do that. It's on February 6th. Uh, sometimes that's amazing. And other times it's like, mm, meh. If they're if they're do, if they're shooting the gun into the uh, sand traps that are somewhat near the uh, tower where where you're all at, uh, it's amazing. If it's if it's all like here, you can see them come in, but they're like a mile away when they're shooting. It's not quite as fun. So, and you never know until you get there what they what they got planned for you, but. It's, uh, it's usually fun to at least see, you know, live fire exercises being that close to military aircraft, you know, in comparison to an air show with them just swooping down and flying by and sneak passes and whatnot. You know, it's it's uh, pretty cool to see him shoot that gun, that's for sure. You know, nice. Yep, yep. Other than that, um, the only other thing I was going to mention is that uh, coming up next month, early next month, February 6th through the 9th, is the... Uh, 
Copper State Fly-In and Buckeye Airfare that we have out here. So um, if you're uh, if, if anyone's uh, going to that, uh, let us know in, in, in the um, on the Facebook page or Twitter or whatever. Uh, I might end up going to that myself. It's really grown. They've, uh, they've they're they're doing it for four days now. It used to only be like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday deal, but and now it's uh, Thursday through Sunday. So it's uh, it's picking up a little traction. Well, John's gonna have fun uh, editing this one. Yeah, won't be too bad. Sweet. Should we shift into shoutouts? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Go ahead. Anybody got one? Uh, I'll just I give a shout out to uh, Larry and Mary Beth, obviously, for uh, coming out and spending some time out here in lovely Arizona, uh, enjoying our winter. And uh, it was good seeing them, and uh, really look forward to uh, seeing that, seeing them as well as everybody else again at uh, Oshkosh this year. And um, um, good luck with uh, Rod Rakick with his uh, with his new job uh, with the regional airlines. Outstanding. Uh, I had a shout out to Heather at Wilson Air in Chattanooga, Tennessee for taking such great care of us on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Uh, We're super, super grateful. Um, And a shout out to Dave Gillingham, who wrote us back in end of November and uh, had some questions about kind of being nervous about all the things that you run into when you're executing a flight and just all of the dealing with ATC and airspace and how do you manage that. Um, and so I had sent him a long-winded reply that I won't, uh, won't, won't put on here, but uh, uh, spent a bunch of time just explaining how I think about complicated departures and arrivals and flights and how I manage those things uh, using visualization. Awesome. Uh, And that I think is it for me. So with that, that's all. I don't really have anything else. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up with where you can find us because I'm sure everyone has forgotten at this point (laughs) in the six months since we last recorded. (laughs) So we'll start off with you, Chris. Sure. Uh, feel free to email me at chris at inthepatternpodcast.com. And I appreciate uh, it when you do the, when you do that. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter machine, and it's cholubaz, C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. And, of course, we've got the uh, In the Pattern Podcast on Facebook, too. Yeah, and Brad, how about you? Uh, you can reach me... Uh, via email at brad at inthepatternpodcast.com. You can find me uh, out on the Facebook or on Twitter. I'm at Brad Kane. And of course, that's Kilo Oscar Echo Hotel November, spelled just like it sounds. And for me, you can find me pretty much anywhere online at Pilot Conway and John at inthepatternpodcast.com. Uh, for the entire podcast, you can, of course, reach us all at podcast at inthepatternpodcast.com or in Twitter's In The Pattern. And like Chris mentioned, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash inthepatternpodcast. Uh, show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found at inthepatternpodcast.com. And uh, feel free to send us any suggestions, comments, critiques. We'd love to get feedback from all our listeners. So with that, we're going to wrap up episode. Hang on. Let me look this up. 75. 75. 75 of the In the Pattern podcast. Uh, I'll try to bring some more of these to you. Uh, Hopefully in the near future and a few more before Osh. That'd be great. (laughs) 
And uh, But anyway, with that, make left traffic, you're cleared for the option. Happy New Year!